Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Many of you are familiar with some of these situations and some of these scenarios because they're you, because they've happened in your house, because you know somebody that this reflects. But many of you have seen the situation where dad gets home and the house is a mess. And the kids aren't listening. I know, hard to believe. And he's had a hard day at work. And the situation at home is just one more thing. And instead of showing appreciation and sort of welcoming his family and and being patient with them and and loving on them, he just finds himself snapping at everybody in the house. Moms at home and people at work have been a pain and people at home are being a pain. And she just thinks to herself, well, at least I'm not like so-and-so down the street. But everything's still annoying and frustrating and messy enough that all she can really think about is getting to the end of the week and getting to that bottle of wine. The young married couple. They've been together for a little while. They were dating and it was... Wonderful, it was like a movie, it was fantastic, and then they got married, and things were going really well, and then all of a sudden, they started to see things about each other that they didn't know were there. And all those frustrations, all those conflicts, all those annoying quirks about the other person started to be seen and started to become more and more prevalent. And they started to pull away from each other. And he found that in his phone, he could find momentary satisfaction. And she found that she just didn't want to be home anymore. And it was just a whole lot better to not be home with him and be out shopping. You go to work... And your boss is just a complete idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's making all kinds of terrible decisions. He's not a person that you can trust. And he tells you to do things that just don't make sense. And you don't understand how he got the job. And you know that you are there just to get paid. Nothing else. And you know you've decided 
that He will not get anything more from you than what is strictly required by your contract. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to read the entire chapter here. It's not a long chapter, but I'm going to read the entire chapter. Titus chapter 2. Paul is speaking to the young pastor Titus, and he says this, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine, right teaching, the truth. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound, firm, strong in their faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-control and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the Word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, honesty, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be actually ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to the masters in everything. To try to please them. Not to talk back to them. And not to steal from them. But to show that they can be fully trusted. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus the Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. I know there are some things in that passage that make you go, uh, what? Did he really just tell me to stay home? (laughs) Or you may be wondering, is Paul saying that it's okay for there to be slaves? Now, 
I just want to, I want to deal with those couple of things just so that we don't get distracted with them, okay? Number one, this was written 2,000 years ago to a man living in a Greek culture. You have to understand, understand the context of when it was written, and he is speaking to that current situation at that current time, okay? What we understand even within that speech is not that Paul thinks it is a good thing for there to be slavery. He is speaking into the situation of there are slaves at this time in history, and even though it may not be right in this situation, that is the situation you're in, and this is what you need to do in order to glorify God. And we know from other parts of the New Testament and other parts where actually Paul writes that he has a much different perspective than what you may assume from this short passage. And so I don't want you to get caught up in this idea and thinking the Bible encourages slavery because that is simply not true. That is simply not true. And I don't want you to get caught up in this idea of thinking that the Bible is this kind of ancient text that only feels like women only have a place in the home and they should never leave the home because they're useless outside the home or something. Okay? Because again, by reading more of the text and more of the Bible, you see that that is not what God teaches. That is not what it is about. But He does say that there is value And making sure that your family responsibilities as a man and as a woman are met in the house first. And that your family needs to be taken care of. And you can't abandon your family. And so I don't want want us to get distracted on that, okay? So I I needed to deal with that. What this really boils down to and what I think Paul is, is trying to get at And we see it in verse 8 especially. Is that our world watches us. In your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Then in verse 14, Christ who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people who are His very own, eager to do what is good. I believe that what Paul is trying to say to Titus, what he's saying to you, and he's teaching this young pastor to teach his people, he's saying, your people, they have responsibilities, they're in this world, they're in these situations already, they exist in that context. And the reality is that everybody around them is watching them. Their friends, their family, their neighbors are watching them. And they need to see Jesus in you. And I think that is the exact same for us. That your friends, your neighbors are watching you. Your family is watching you. And they need to see Jesus 
when they do. I think we have all had this shared experience. When you pick up a chocolate chip cookie and you bite into it, and it's not chocolate chips, it's actually raisins. You know what I'm talking about here, folks? You know how disappointing that is? You look at it and you have this expectation of this wonderful, wonderful, sweet, creamy milk chocolate chip in this cookie. And you bite into it and it's rubbery. Like a dead fly. Is there anything more disappointing? You look at the cookie and you have this expectation. It is, you call it by the name chocolate chip cookie. But when you bite into it, that is not what it is. Maybe the only worse situation would be like if you were taking a bottle of kiwi juice and you take a drink of it and it ends up being like celery juice. That would be like the only worse situation. I don't know if you've ever drank celery juice, but don't. It is horrible. It's horrible. But you and I carry the name of Jesus. And when our friends and our family and our neighbors see us carrying the name of Jesus and they bite into us and they get something other than Jesus, not only is that a problem for them, it's a problem for us, and it's a problem for Christ. And Paul is saying, your friends, your family, and your neighbors are watching you, and they need to see Jesus when they do. This happens with me. I get frustrated with a situation, and my anger builds, I lose my temper. And then I start getting sarcastic and mean. I become a bully. It's very easy for me to become a bully. I'm stressed about something. I'm worried about something. I'm frustrated about something. And my response is to deal with anybody's lack of whatever. Anything that I'm disappointed in them in. It is easy for me to respond by being a bully. Some of us have this habit of of coming to church on Sunday and behaving one way and then spending the rest of the time in our week behaving a different way. Some of us here really enjoy gossip. Some of us have allowed sin to just linger and continue to exist in our lives. Others of us find ourselves just constantly talking about the negative things about those around us. 
And some of us have this weird thing where we are really, really God-honoring people when we are out in public. And then when we, when we get home with our families, something shifts. I see this with my boys, my kids. It is incredibly frustrating because my older boy will do something foolish and then my younger boy will copy him. (laughs) Even with eating. Ben likes basically everything, but if John complains about the food, all of a sudden Ben doesn't want it. But I also find that John copies me. Your friends, your family, your neighbors are watching you. And they need to see Jesus when they do. So let me, let me, let me go through this passage in a slightly different way. And let's stick it into our context. Men, control your tempers. Be worthy of the respect you want. Be self-controlled. Make sure you're correct in your beliefs. And be full, full of love and endurance. Women, be respectful and honorable. Don't slander, don't gossip, don't put other people down, don't talk about people behind their backs so that you can somehow belittle them and make yourself feel better. Don't get drunk. And go out of your way to teach what is good. Those of you who are young, Love your spouse. Be self-controlled. Be pure. Take care of your family at home. Be kind. Honor your spouse. And set the example. Employees. Show that you can be fully trusted. Don't disrespect your boss, even if he is an idiot. Don't steal from them. And do your best to please your boss. Don't dishonor Christ to please your boss. Don't do something dishonest to please your boss. But do such a good job that those who watch us and may even call us their enemy would be ashamed because they can't find anything bad to say about us. Because your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers are watching you and they need to see Jesus when they do. So how do you do that? Firstly, If you're like me and you read this passage and you examine your life, you realize there are some issues 
the first thing you got to do is you got to confess it. You've got to confess it. You've got to admit that it's an issue and you've got to bring it to the Lord and you've got to confess it to Him and you've got to say, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I need help with this. This is a problem in my life. It actually exists. I acknowledge that it exists and it shouldn't be there. I'm sorry. And when He puts on your heart that, hey, you have wronged so-and-so. You have wronged your wife. You have wronged your husband. You have wronged your kids. You have wronged your employer. You have wronged so-and-so. You may actually need to go confess it to them and say, I am sorry for doing this. That's step one. And that can be terrifying, but it is incredibly valuable and free. Confess it. Step two, be intentional about your actions moving forward. Set the goals. Be aware that people are watching you and that you exist to point them to Christ. And don't try to just go through your life haphazardly, but be intentional. Set the goals. Be aware of the things that need to be worked on and tackle them on purpose. Third thing, and this is, this is the most important piece Seek Christ's power to change. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't do it by trying harder. Yes, I want you, we need to be intentional. We need to set the goals. We need to move forward and say, these things need to change. These things need to get removed from my life, and these things need to be added to my life. But you can't do that effectively on your own. You need the power of Christ. Paul is clear that it is through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Christ and His power and the giving of the Holy Spirit that we are able to change. And we need Jesus to change. And so yes, confess it. Yes, be intentional. And absolutely, seek the power of Christ to change because your friends family neighbors and co-workers are watching you and they need to see Christ when they do thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down to earth people following Jesus and down to earth ways.